an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and I've got Bob Savage here with me. And another week of nuttiness and a mask for all of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So t- for those of you who uh, who may not know, today is Monday, um, and this is <laughs> yeah, right. day... Yeah, <laughs> I know, it's Gotta crazy? keep track, right? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, and and here's why. Today is day 79. We are almost 80 days in to when New York State started shutting down businesses in New York State, telling people that they either couldn't go to work or that their businesses were non-essential and that they couldn't operate. Um, we're we're approaching 90 days, folks. Is this what prisoners do? When, you know, like when they're in the slammer, they they write on the cell wall. They put little hash marks on there for the number of days they've been in in stir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I'm. I, I think uh, we're we're not quite running out of wall space yet. But I mean, 79 days. That's no joke. That's 79 days of. Um, businesses not being able to, you know, bring in customers and make sales at 79 days of some people still not getting paychecks and still not getting New York state unemployment. Um, it, you know, that, that's a long time. Yeah. For some people it's uh, 79 days, as you just alluded to Andrew with no income because they, you know, they, they can't get, uh, uh, they can't get the unemployment benefits. And what's especially galling about this, too, I don't know if you picked up on this. We had Marge Burns, the 133rd Assembly District person, in on another show this morning. We were interviewing her. And what she's finding out with, from her constituents are people who have just recently applied for unemployment are promptly getting the benefits. But people who applied, like, back in March are still not getting even any response from the Labor Department. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and and here's the thing. If you look at, um, you know, just general overall guidelines for we'll call it emergency preparedness, you know, they say you're supposed to have three months worth of income set aside, three months worth of food and water. You, you know, that's some of that stuff's from FEMA. Some of it's from financial advisors. Guys, we're hitting the three month mark. We're almost there. Yeah, um, and most so, people most people don't have anything like that as far as a reserve is concerned. In fact, somebody I can't remember who it was, Commerce Department or someone did a survey some time ago that showed that anybody, uh, mo- like eighty percent of Americans, cannot handle a four hundred dollar emergency expense. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's true. Um, so so people are in a bad spot right now. I I do have some numbers for you guys since today is Monday. I've been giving you guys kind of the updates on Mondays, so I'll I'll run through them really quick because there's there's a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, So first thing is grand total of cases in New York State since it started 
uh, is now up to 350,000. That's up 15,000 from last week, which is lowering. So about four weeks ago, it was 40,000. Then it went down to 30,000. Um, then 20,000. This past week, it was up 15,000. So we're the cases are coming down for sure. They're, they're coming down. Um, the death count is also uh, starting to slow up. It, we are at 22.6 thousand deaths right now. And I know there's a lot of question about how many of those deaths are truly COVID deaths. Um, we may never know. Or maybe if we do end up actually knowing it, it won't be probably for like over a year. Um, but that number is up 1.1 thousand. So 1,100 compared to last week's. I think last week's number was up to uh, 2,400. So it's it's less than half of last week's number. So that 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 looks good too. Yeah, if you look at the hospitalization numbers, they are up, but that's only because last week head case—that's who I call Governor Cuomo—head case reversed his order uh, mandating that COVID-positive patients discharged from hospitals go back to nursing homes. So he it, very cleverly, you know, showing the the uh, instincts that make uh, Cuomo a, a truly legendary politician. What he did is he just reversed 180 degrees his earlier order. Uh, making people go to the nursing homes, and you couldn't even ask if they were COVID positive. I couldn't test them, and now he's blaming it on the nursing homes. The the appalling death toll that resulted from his earlier order. Yeah, and and what that is actually doing is that's keeping the hospitalization rate up it because is. now these these patients are not leaving the hospital. That's right. But it's a good so, thing. I mean, the, the overall effect is great. So now we're not, you know, like forcing these people into nursing homes where they infect other people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the idea of keeping somebody in the hospital till you know that they're not infectious is not a bad thing. I mean, we don't want people who are infectious wandering around in society and potentially infecting people. Um, you know, of course, they could self-quarantine, but if you live in a nursing home, that's probably not an option, and you should probably not be going to a nursing home if you've been to the hospital and you don't know if you're infectious or not. Um, so kind of slow on the right policy there, but at the very least, it's happening now. Yeah, just 5,300 um, people dead in nursing homes. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I watched Cuomo's... Um, his little TV stunt yesterday. I, I don't know if you got a chance to see that. Cuomo essentially faked a COVID test on his on-air propaganda yesterday. He faked it? Well, the process – so he, he took one on on TV to show people how easy and quick and painless it is. Oh, was that the thing? So easy even a governor can do it? Ha, ha. Yes, yes, yes. So easy even a governor can do it. But I've I actually know people who have had to go to the Rochester site and take um, the COVID test, and I actually have at least one person who videotaped it while she took it. And the process he went through is not the process anybody else that I know went through. So so I'll tell you guys what the differences are. Um, he he went there. He had somebody else give him the test. Oh, just tip your head back. She popped it in real quick pulled it out and said, okay, good. Your test is done. 
that is not the test I've heard and seen other people take. Well, there's two different um, tests. There's a test for the uh, for the virus, and then there's a test for the antibodies. The latter one is a blood test where they prick your finger. Is that what you're talking about? No, no. So everybody else that I know that's taken the test, um, nobody's administered the test for them. That might be the case in a hospital setting. But if you go to the drive-up testing centers, which is what Cuomo was marketing, um, they give you the kit. You have to actually administer the test to yourself. So that's the, so, that's a nasal swab, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to stick this long thing up your nose. Then you have to rotate it fully twice. And then the person outside the vehicle counts down slowly for you. 15, 14, 13, and counts all the way down to zero. You pull it out. You put it in the tube, break off the handle. And then you have to do the other nostril the same way. Um, and everybody that I know that's done it has said it's extremely uncomfortable. Your eyes water, your nose runs, all this stuff. Um, what Cuomo did on air was was not what's happening at the testing sites. Unless they've changed something within the last few days, um, he really sugarcoated this whole thing. And and I bet you if you or I, Bob, if, if either of us just stuck the swab in our nose and pulled it right out and handed it to the person, they would say, nope, sorry, that's not enough. It's got to be rotated and got to be a full 15 seconds. You got to do it again. Um so I, I was a little disappointed to see that. Because so so he's, Cuomo, he's, Cuomo didn't, didn't do those things? He didn't put the swab up? He didn't rotate or whatever? They, they, didn't wait, they didn't wait the time that they're making everybody else wait, and they only did one nostril. Um, I couldn't tell because the video quality was kind of poor. I couldn't tell if the person doing it actually rotated it, how they instruct people to do. Um, but the other stuff, definitely not. It wasn't 15 seconds. It wasn't self-administered, and they didn't do the second nostril. Well, I'd volunteer to give Cuomo a, 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 you know, a nasal swab. I've got a special swab here. It says uh, Black & Decker on it. No, no, no. I'm just kidding, folks. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Come on. Lighten up. Uh, but, you know, this this whole thing, um, and, and there's some other stuff, too, that I guess I'll throw out there for you guys to look at right before the break. Um, Cuomo's now marketing his family's uh, products, I guess during his thing so i guess his his yeah so his brother and his brother-in-law helped put together howareyoureally.org and he spent i don't know two or three minutes um marketing that and when we come back i actually want to talk about how he finally identified that maybe keeping people locked up at home could have some mental health implications Guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. And, uh, you know, I just want to bring up a maybe a moment of hypocrisy here. Um very often, and by the way, I'm not saying this is right. I'm, I'm just saying there's um, hypocrisy here. Very often the left will attack President Trump um, for bringing his family into things, whether it's a press release or a press conference or maybe discussing his business um, from his national platform as president. Well, yesterday Cuomo did the same thing. Cuomo um, did this with 
howareyoureally.org. And he could have, how, I'm not going to say howareyoureally.org doesn't relate to what he was talking about in the press conference. In fact, it totally could have, it totally did. But what he added into there was that his family helped put it together. And sure enough, if you go to the homepage, um, his brother and his brother-in-law are, are some of the founders and board members here as a part of this organization. Now, it's my personal opinion that that is using a platform, platform created by the voters to market and promote something that could further or benefit your family. And I, I don't think he should have done that. I, I think that uh, he if he wanted to emphasize that people should go to howareyoureally.org, he should have left his family out of it. He shouldn't have mentioned it. Um, he shouldn't have promoted their success in doing that. Um, it just felt terribly inappropriate to me. I, I'm not following this. What, what is this. what is this purpose of this? Uh, is it a service? Is it uh, a forum? I don't What is it? So, so funny you should ask. I went to their website, and it was a little unclear to me as well. Um, the way he was promoting it is this idea that he's just now realizing that having people in quarantine without a job, um, shutting down the economy, telling people that they have to be physically distanced from their friends and family members for almost three months um, is having mental health implications. Stress is at an all-time high. Depression's at an all-time high. They had a graph showing that many age groups went from um, uh, they did like a survey, and before COVID nineteen, you know, about four percent of the population said they were dealing with depression and extremely high stress. Now it's up to like thirty-eight percent for some age groups. No it's surprise. A huge, I, huge jump. Yeah, I, I, I can read, I can readily believe that. But what's the point? So, so the point is he, he went out – and the, maybe there's two points here. So the first is he's then marketing, well, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling upset, you know, you need to go to howareyoureally.org and get help with this. So he's, he's pushing people in the direct, direction of his family's organization. Does, 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 the, does the family organization charge for the help? I'm not sure if they do or if they don't. That was unclear to me, but I can guarantee you if they're not charging, they're fundraising, or what they're probably going to do is ask for government money to cover funding, grants, some subsidies, something like that. that that'll unfold later. Um, but the, the other piece to this that I think is really important to emphasize, weekly – for weeks, the press has been pushing Cuomo during his press conferences saying, don't you think that keeping things shut down is going to have negative effects on people's mental health? Don't you think that it's going to cause problems? Don't you think that people are going to become depressed and um, more likely to commit suicide? And this whole entire time, Cuomo saying, uh, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. No, I don't think that people are going to be home. They'll they'll be you know all these things in a safe place. Well, now yesterday he said, "Oh, we're just finding out that this has serious mental health implications." The press has been grilling you on this for weeks. How is this now the first time that you're thinking about this? Well, once again, you know these are these are zero credibility act. I think as far as most voters are concerned, I mean even Democrats are are rejecting. 
uh, you know, Andrew's never ending showboating. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I got to believe that I, I thought you're going to tell me that. Yeah. So when you go to this, uh, you go to this, uh, this site that's hosted by the Cuomo family, they've got this wonderful hand sanitizer that they'll sell you. Oh yeah, maybe. They got, I don't you know, know. They got I, swag. You know, yeah. they got the you know I I heart Andy uh, T-shirts or whatever. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is they're asking people to share their mental health stories, talk about their mental health, that sort of thing, which oh. just sounds like a lot of government data mining. To absolutely, me. yes, absolutely, I would do that on a website hosted by the Cuomo. I tell yeah, them all yeah. about my personal stuff. Sure, you bet. Yep. Yep, and the and actually they do have you know one of the first things I'm seeing here on their website is a donate button, so there there you go. Donate to what? To to howareyoureally dot org. But what's the purpose? What what is the what are the funds used for you? What do you get for your donation? I don't know. You feel warm and fuzzy. Oh, like you're you're making a difference. It's which, the Andy Qu- it's the maybe, Cuomo maybe family the Cuomo family tip jar. I love it. There there you go. Yep, yep. Um, so, so another thing that I think is interesting to bring up, I don't know if you knew this, Bob, because I, I had no idea. I didn't realize that de Blasio is also doing daily press briefings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yes, and, so he's, he's, guess... and he's, he's, he's built this Byzantine structure of bureaucracies in New York City where all the business owners down there, of course, bedeviled by ridiculous taxes and regulations, uh, Already, and also, can I point out a declining population thanks to the disastrous stewardship of that city by de Blasio? I like to call him Warren Wilhelm because that's his real name. Uh, and so now he's got he's got all these panels, and he's got these armies of inspectors that come out and harass all the business owners to make sure that uh, you know every little jot and tittle of every executive order that comes from de Blasio's office is slavishly adhered to. In other words, just making life miserable and making it, you know, erecting every possible obstacle to getting promptly reopened in New York. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. So so apparently what's been going on in New York City, and like I said, I didn't know he was doing daily press conferences, so he's, he's competing with Cuomo, I guess. Um, but the New York Police Department has been arresting people who aren't wearing masks in public. Going out there, if you're not wearing a mask, they've been arresting people. So what happened over the weekend is somebody videotaped the cops arresting somebody for not wearing a mask. And and the first thing I'll preface this with is, yeah, she was being pretty disrespectful to the police. I couldn't see in the video what had happened prior um, but it's it's my understanding that the entire confirma- confrontation started with um, her and her daughter not having masks on. And what it sounded like to me watching the video was that she was saying with a mask on her face, she can't breathe. Um, whether or not that's true, you, you know, is, is another story. Um, but there there was like seven or eight cops there. And when she, um, you know, she she certainly got pretty mouthy and she started trying to kind of like get away and stuff like that. And I mean, they just piled right on top of her. She's yelling she can't breathe. Um, It's kind of interesting because this whole idea of wearing a mask is to prevent yourself and others from getting the virus. Well, I tell you what, you've got, you know, all these officers on top of her and her face smushed against the floor 
man, if there was any coronavirus there, I'm sure it was all over her face at that point. Um, and, and once again, I want to emphasize, yeah, she was not being respectful to the officers. So, so I'm not sitting here saying that, um, I'm not grading the actions of the officers because the videos do not always show what was happening. But what I think that the video shows extremely clearly is that this policy was a terrible, terrible policy and is putting police officers and regular citizens in a bad situation where bad choices are going to be made. I didn't understand. I thought that, uh, I, I thought they weren't, they weren't ticketing or accosting people for not wearing masks. No, uh, apparently they are. And so this video came out, um, and de Blasio said, oh, no, uh, you know what's going to happen? Uh, actually, I've got his quote here. He says, absent a serious danger to the public, NYPD will not take enforcement actions for failing to wear face masks. Um, okay. And then you have police commissioner um, Dermot Shea which he sent out an email saying uh, we will be we will keep educating people about the benefits to all of us of individuals wearing face coverings moving forward however we will no longer issue summons or make arrests for infractions related to face coverings absent of a crime or other violation being committed so it sounds like they, this has been happening this has been going on it's just hasn't been publicized um, the media must not be running with it. And up until now, it looks like maybe there wasn't video uh, showing what was going on. Um, so so I, that's, that's the question. I mean, should the police have ever been arresting people for not wearing a face mask in public? What do you guys think about that while we take a break? We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. And thanks very much for your patience. We know that uh, Andrew's been having some connectivity issues in his neighborhood, so he had a little bit of uh, noise in the earlier part of the program. Seems like that's uh, cleared out considerably. We thank you for that. You are listening to Radio Free New York on the WYSL stations in Rochester, uh, WACK, AM and FM in Wayne County, and in the southern tier, the Twin Tiers, WENY, The Patriot, and Elmira Corning. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Um, and as as we talk about what's going on here in New York, we're talking about policy. We're talking about COVID-19. Um, and, and we've talked many times on the show about um, government shutting down businesses and the process to reopen businesses. We actually have a guest caller on the line. Um, we have Deborah Wallace from Reopen Rochester. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you um, for you and your friends reaching out um, and saying that you guys were interested in being on the show. Um, why, why don't you tell me a little bit about your um, organization, what you guys are trying to do, and uh, let's start with that. Yeah, so we're a grassroots organization, just a bunch of people getting together to try and change the narrative about the shutdown. Okay, what's, uh, great. The, uh, what's what's the uh, what do you th- uh, sense the narrative is right now? Um, I think that you know it's really hard to say because we started out with you know flatten the curve, and then the goalposts seem to move, and it seems like they keep moving, and so it's hard to say what the goal is but i feel like the narrative is a lot about government control and not a lot about the freedom 
for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think we've kind of lost track of that and gotten to like a fear-based message. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. You know, last week I actually had a virtual Zoom meeting. Um, I, I've been doing many of them, obviously. I think a lot of us have been. And one of the business owners there um, kind of stood up in this meeting and said, I'm not going to open my business because Governor Cuomo said that if I do, people are going to die. And I don't want to be responsible for people's deaths. So even if New York reopens and if the Rochester area reopens, I won't. And I think that that's, that's driven by a lot of, I think, misinformation and a lot of fear. Right. If you look at the statistics, COVID-19 is actually very, very low risk. You're at low risk of contracting it, and you're at low risk of dying from it. You're at low risk of suffering any ill effects, especially people who are under the age of 65 who don't have underlying conditions. And so when we have rallies and protests, people say horrible things like, I hope you get it and die. But the reality is that the best thing that a young, healthy person can do is get it and recover, because that is what gives herd immunity to those people who are at risk. Right. So the idea was always to get it. The idea was never to not get it. The idea was to get it, but not all at once. And somehow the conversation has just become everybody's going to die, fear, fear, fear. It's not Ebola. Yeah, you would think it was from the uh, from the narrative that you hear from the Cuomo administration. So uh, the governor has aggregated all this power, and he obviously has no intention of relinquishing much of it anytime soon. What exactly are you trying to accomplish specifically with your group? Well, I mean, I think that the governor always makes it sound like what he's saying has been his plan all along. But if you watch really carefully, he does a lot of gaslighting and a lot of backpedaling, but it never looks like backpedaling because he gaslights instead. And what I mean by that is on a Sunday, he'll say, we're not doing a regional reopening, we're all one state. And then on Monday, he has this great idea that we're going to do a regional reopening, pretending that he never said we weren't. And so if you look really carefully at what he says, he is actually backing off a lot. And so our goal as an organization is to make sure that that keeps happening until we are in phase four permanently. And what I mean by that is completely open, no restrictions, no new normal, no paranoia, you know, people smiling at each other and being friendly and enjoying their trip to Wegmans. That's our goal. Awesome. No, that, that sounds, that sounds really great. So it sounds like then your organization is working together to put pressure on the state government and the Cuomo administration to be accountable to the things he's saying, point out when he's, you know, not and and get him to backpedal and roll things back. Is that, is that fair summary? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that the problem that you have when you're manipulative, like he is, is that people get confused, right? They're like, wait, but didn't he say yesterday? No, I must be crazy. And so what we really want to do is say, no, you're not crazy. He is manipulating you. We're going to call it call him on it and make sure that people feel empowered to take back what's theirs. Um, you know, our government was set up saying these are unalienable rights, right? Like the government doesn't give them to us. God does. And the government can't take them away. And so let's remind everybody what it means to be American, what it means to have a constitution, um, tell them how to pressure their government, empower them to speak up for themselves and take the country back. 
Yeah, it's also important for us to point out the false choice that uh, all these statists, and, you know, Andrew Cuomo is just a leading one of many of them. I mean, you got uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York, you got Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, and, uh, you know, uh, Governor Blackface in Virginia. Uh, and the, the choice that they, that, that, they, uh, that they promulgate is if you want to go back to your job, you want to start earning a living, supporting your family, uh, enjoying the freedoms that uh, you are guaranteed by the Bill of Rights, you just want people to die. Yeah. Yeah. They're conditioning you to think that wanting your freedom is selfish. And so the idea that, you know, freedom is dangerous, it, it, like in a sense that's true, but in a sense that that's a decision that we've made as a society to say, listen, maybe you're, you're quote unquote safer when the government is telling you what to do with every move, but that's not a free society. And so as a you know, our founding fathers decided that they were going to give us dangerous freedom, so to speak. We're not communists. We're not socialists. We're Americans. And there's a reason that our country's great. And it's founded on those freedoms that we have. And we cannot let those be taken away because, as we've seen, we'll never get them back. By the way, it's, very, it, it's very important uh, to, to bear in mind that this is just the most recent step in, uh, in a number of of government narratives that are based on uh, you can google this by the way there's a great article online about safetyism i mean you can trace this back to the 1970s when we were first ordered to wear seat belts uh, uh motorcyclists having to wear helmets the great vaccine debate that continues to rage on and on and on where you have technocrats basically equating safety to the greater good and you better get in line and comply and this is just like a a, a giant version of the same argument Right, exactly, yeah, and yeah, it's more no, dangerous, absolutely. I think, because, yeah. So one one thing I did want to know, I've, I've got at least one or two questions in here. Um, how are you guys empowering people to to make this, this type of change? Yeah, so they say that eternal vigilance, I don't know who said this, but eternal vigilance is the price of um, freedom, I think was the quote. I'm, I probably misquoted that. But the idea of kind of watching the elected officials, a lot of people want to be involved, but they just don't know how. And so you say get on Twitter, here are the handles of the people in leadership, you know, look up your elected officials, email them. We're going to do a GoFundMe campaign to put up a billboard. We're going to do a GoFundMe campaign to put out lawn signs. It's essentially a political campaign, right? So we're doing a lot of those same things, but we're doing them about the specific issue. So it's the same things that you would see if somebody was running for office, but we're doing them to change the narrative and to remind everybody that they have power you know, that, that we, um, we govern, right? Like <laughs> they need consent of the governed in order to govern and let's not forget that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I know you're from, uh, reopen Rochester and it sounds like there are other reopen organizations popping up throughout the state. Right. So we have about 2,400 people in our group right now. And we started about four weeks ago. Um, so it's grown really, really quickly. Um, today we put up a billboard on 390 South by the airport, and it says flatten the curves, and it says bankruptcy, suicide, and unemployment, and then it says phase four now. Um, and then we have some signs coming later this week. We were able to print about 200 of them. Um, and so, yeah, we've been doing a lot of things like that, um, telling people, you know, here's a website where you can go and just enter your address and contact all of your elected officials. You know, talk to Mike Mendoza, talk to Adam Bellow, talk to Bob Duffy. Um, so we wanted the Rochester one because, 
you know, it's kind of supposedly now at a regional level, but then also it's easier to engage people locally, right? So you have people that can't just go to Albany, who can't drive to Buffalo. So get them really engaged in their local communities so they can influence their local officials. Like we're going to have a hard time voting Andrew Cuomo out of office, but we can pretty easily vote Bellow out of office, right? Like if we get Rochester riled up and they think our county executive is not doing a good job, Rochester has about a 50-50 split. It is pretty moderate, right? So these are the people that we could easily get out of office. Yeah, no, for sure. So if somebody was interested in learning more about your organization, where would they go? Yeah, so you can go to freenynow.com. That's our website. Um, Or you can look for Reopen Rochester on Facebook until Facebook takes it down. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's likely. Yeah, but for now, for now it's still there. And then we have the website um, so that if Facebook does shut us down, we are able to communicate with our people about, you know, staying organized, staying active, and taking back our city. Awesome. Very good. So you guys are listening to Deborah Wallace from Reopen Rochester, and uh, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break, guys. We'll be back in a moment. Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. And uh, we just got off the line with uh, Deborah from Reopen Rochester. It sounds like they're doing some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, a quick uh, reference back to I uh, had mentioned that uh, Danger of Safetyism essay. That's at unheard, uh, excuse me, U-N-H-E-R-D dot com. It's an article by Matthew Crawford. And uh, the uh, subtitle is Grasping Bureaucracies Use Lockdowns as an Excuse to Choke the Human Spirit. It's a great piece. Wow. Yeah. No, that that sounds really good. Um, Now, uh, earlier in the show, we were talking a little bit about um, the NYPD, New York Police Department, arresting people for not wearing face masks um, and just how it's just a bad policy that put officers in a bad position, puts citizens in a bad position, um, clearly government overreach. Um, and, Bob, I think you had a story from maybe it was Chicago or something like that. I'm trying to remember that, that you had mentioned. Do you do you have that, that yeah. story? Yeah, real quick. This is this is an illuminating story. Uh, again, it comes from Chicago. This is a little – it's a little confusing because the name of the church that's involved is the Philadelphia – um, what is this? A Philadelphia Romanian church, but it really took place in Chicago. So uh, Sunday morning, tow trucks descend, not just on churchgoers, but on residents and everybody else and on a private lot used by parishioners in the suburb, uh, the neighborhood of Philadelphia Romanian church in response to its intention to hold services. City tow trucks arrive, yanking the vehicles of every single resident, including numerous elderly people and more than a few nurses coming in from night shifts, impounding them for violation of a sign that got posted Saturday with under 24 hours notice right in the neighborhood. The city closed the private lot that the church used for parishioners, forcing the parishioners to to park on the streets, which had been uh, listed as temporary toad zones to snatch their cars too. So all the residents who even had nothing to do with the church 
are on the hook for tickets and towing and damages to their cars because as this, uh, by the way, this is posted by a blog called Second City Cop. They're retired uh, Chicago uh, police officers. We all know how exactly how gently city tow drivers are with someone else's property. Isn't that unbelievable? They just went and yanked everybody's cars while they're in church. We prayed for the mayor. It says uh, Philadelphia Romanian church uh, pastor. Um, what's his name here? Ah, I'm, I'm missing it. Um, anyway, this mayor, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, we, we prayed for the mayor and the governor almost every evening since March 19th. We'll continue to pray for them yet. We're also aware of our constitutional rights. Their effort to intimidate us will make us stronger. This is uh, th- this is where statism goes, folks. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, we hear stories similar to this, maybe not this extreme, but similar to this all across the country where government in some shape or form as a response to this virus um, has shut down places of worship. And uh, I got to give the churches a lot of credit. Many of them have tried to find ways to still deliver services and allow for physical distancing. Um, And the government has basically said, nope, not good enough. You're not essential. We're going to shut you down. It's unconstitutional as hell. I mean, come on, First Amendment. People have a right to congregate, and they have a right to worship as they want. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And so I, when I hear the stories of, you know, the the one church, I, I forget where it was, it might have been like Alabama, um, where they were holding the church services over radio, and the the attendees would come in their vehicles. Right, they wouldn't was, exit their vehicles. Yeah, Alabama. That happened in New York, by the way, this past weekend. There was a drive-in church, and uh, the church got fined $1,000 because people were sitting in their cars. And and when I hear this this sort of thing, I I there's a constitutional issue, absolutely huge. And then there's just a general common sense being human issue, which is you should know that that should be okay anyways, <laughs> even if it wasn't a constitutional issue. Let's say it was something. Let's say it was a concert. Let's say people drove, sat in a parking lot, didn't leave their vehicles, and listened to their favorite music artists do a quote-unquote live conference or concert over the radio there. Why? That's not putting anybody at risk. That's not putting anybody at danger. Um, that's getting them out of the house. That's giving them an opportunity to um, distance from each other but still have some sort of social feeling in a safe environment. Um, why would government stand in the way of that? And then you throw in the fact that it's religion and the fact that there's a constitutional issue there. And then it's a huge problem. Well, they want the uh, they they want the only religion to be the state religion, which is essentially freedom from religion, which is also known as atheism or agnosticism, depending on your particular convictions or lack thereof. But uh, that's uh, that's what it's all about. And you you get a a real a real sense of government attitude towards uh, uh, people who are spiritual and people who who believe in God in the fact that the the Cuomo administration has classed religious services in with entertainment. That's what what their concept of uh, of worship is. It's a form of entertainment. Who was it that they called it the opiate of the masses? Was that Stalin? Yeah, probably. I I don't know for sure, but, you know, what this really shows is 
government has decided that your rights don't apply here. Your your rights don't apply, and government gets to choose for you what is and what is not essential, regardless of the actual safety of that action. And I got to tell you, most churches, the vast majority of churches and, and houses of worship have found a way to deliver their sermons in a safe way. And governments all across the nation are still pounding down on them and giving them a hard time, even though we already have the right to congregate. We already have freedom of association and freedom to gather peacefully. Um, and government has essentially put those rights on hold. And when people have found a way to do it, quote unquote, safely, because once again, the excuse is safety. And that, that is what I think is the key point here. The excuse is safety. People have found a safe way to do it. And government said, nope, you can't anyways. Well, you want to talk about being unsafe. Loss, loss of freedom is unsafe. That, that, there's no this top-down approach that, you know, we can't have any religious services whatsoever, no church, until government decides. First of all, these, ladies and gentlemen, never forget this. All of these, this phased lockdown thing, you know, uh, oh, maybe we'll have phase two in a couple of weeks. None of these are laws. They're not laws. These are executive orders. This is just some guy in a suit behind a big desk, paid for by taxpayers, is telling you you can't go to church anymore. There, there, there is no consent of the governed going on here. You, you heard uh, Deborah earlier when, uh, from uh, uh, Open Up Rochester saying uh, you, you need to have consent of the governed. That's, that's the justification for the existence of, of government. We have empowered these people to perform certain functions on our behalf, not to run our lives. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest problems that will come out of this is the fact that government officials, current and future, will look at this time and say, oh, we were able to do it then. We can do it now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, you want to talk about the new normal? The more we let them get away with this, that's what the new normal is going to be. I hate that phrase, by the way. Uh, I, I've always hated that phrase because what that does is it says the new normal implicit in that phrase is we accept new conditions for the living of our lives imposed upon us by our government betters. I don't. I don't think you do either, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes I'm at a loss for words, Bob, when when I see what our government officials are doing and it it's going to happen again, and when it happens again, they're going to take a step further, and a step further, and a step further, until it's just absolute power. We're being tested. They, they, they want to see what they can get away with. Yeah. Guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. Tomorrow.